Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. This week, we're also joined by special guest Amy Ratcliffe from Nerdist. Amy, welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you for having me again. Of course, always yes. fun having you on the show, and you did such a fantastic job hosting the Q&A at the uh, series finale screening, so thank you for doing yeah, that. That was very good job you did. Thank you. That was an emo- it was an emotional night doing that after watching you just the fin- like those last few minutes of the series finale. So no thank you. Yeah, you had, hard, you had a hard time starting that. Yeah. Yeah, that was well, such an emotional ending rough. to the to the series, and then you yeah, having to go up on stage and and you know be all composed and <laughs> try to you know talk to Dave and and everyone else is quite a quite a task. You did a great job. So thanks. Thanks for doing that. Oh, thank you. And thank, thank you for you. joining us. Yeah, so obviously uh, we're not discussing a new episode of Rebels tonight, which is very sad. But yeah. instead, I thought, and I say I thought in the sense that I had nothing to do with it, and we talked about it as a group. But let's talk about kind of season four as a whole. Uh, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like, and kind of reflect on that final season of Rebels. But as usual, before we can do that, we need to talk about some very important announcements and cool things that have happened. Uh, so, William, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so earlier this week, Lucasfilm dropped the second trailer for Solo, A Star Wars Story. No ticket sales yet, even though we're just just over a month away. Um, but uh, this Not is... that close. I know. This is... It's so exciting. Okay. I thought they did a really good job with the trailer. Uh, what, what did you guys think? I uh, thought this was exactly what I needed out of the Solo trailer. It uh, gave you gave you enough. It gave me... Like pretty much exactly what I was looking for. Uh, you know, I we talked about it before, but I, there were things I was definitely worried about with the trailer um, or with the movie. Uh, I wouldn't say my all of my fears are alleviated, but it just it looked good. Like it looks like a movie that I will enjoy, and that's really all that matters. Mm-hmm. We got we got more glimpses me about it. it was uh, I really enjoyed. It's a different kind of soundtrack for Star Wars. Um, I liked it. I'm really looking forward to it. It gave us enough, but it didn't give us a lot. It expanded a little bit, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. I wonder how close that will be to the final soundtrack. Because a lot of times the trailers have very different music that was either created very just true. for the trailer, or uh, you know, sometimes they use different. Um, there's different uh, uh, you know composers who will create music just for trailers. And this actually sounded like one of those artists. I think Two Steps from Hell it sounded a lot like that in in some cases. Um, like like what they what they do, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I love the style. It's a little bit more uh, western and more of a twang. You can kind of hear briefly if you guys can hear it. That's yeah. kind of a brief. Yeah, listen. can hear it. Listen. You're off to something. I just thought it was really, they did a really good job. Was, you know, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very well done. We got it, we got more glimpses of, of 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 Lando and Han and Kira. We get to see um, actually uh, uh, is that is that Mala? I think it looks like Chewie's wife Mala. 
That uh, would be amazing. I really hope that's the case. So, so the question I think I've heard people ask, if she is in it, does that now make the Christmas special canon? No, but it makes okay. her canon. <laughs> well, no, it makes her canon, but but I, I've, I've heard the joke out there and read the joke out there that does that now make, you know, B. Arthur's character canon and, and Art Carney's character canon basically and as a whole no. is the Christmas special <laughs> now canon. No, but the aspects we do see, yeah, I didn't think those so. are obviously canon. But it looks like we'll yeah. get to see, you know, the the introduction of uh, uh, the Hans DL forty four, um, you know, with uh, Beckett throwing him the blaster, and uh, mm-hmm. we might get to see a lot of a lot of origins uh, in this in this movie. Uh, and there's some actually yeah. some really funny moments too, like with you know han looking at chewie saying well well what do you know <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. we also get an idea of where exactly when exactly the movie is set based on chewie's age which is revealed to be 190 years old and that was actually in the trailer i thought that was pretty funny yeah he's, he's yeah. 180 during revenge of the sith so this this movie is set nine years before a new hope or at least part that scene of the movie i suspect it'll actually take place over a much longer period mm-hmm. so i don't know it's it's very very cool looking um i i'll be totally honest i'm still i've been trying at least on especially on 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 twitter and stuff not to get into the whole alden ehrenreich thing because one it is what it is um two i think he is actually looking a little bit better uh he's growing on me as han still doesn't isn't quite han to me but you know it's very possible that we'll we'll get used to him and you know even though it's hard to replace harrison ford Mm -hmm. we'll 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 grow to 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 love him as as han you can say say the same thing about Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor was not, um, God, I had it tip of my tongue. Um, Sir Alec Guinness. Not, thank you. Right. Was not Sir Alec Guinness, but we grew to accept it because it worked. Right. And knowing and that it it's at least part of it is nine years Aaron before, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see maybe if it's nine years before. Um, yeah. We'll see how close it gets. But I've been trying to stay out of that too much because you know what? it is what it is, and regardless of the, you know, that aside, I'm still very very excited for there's still the there's still one line that bothers me really it just yeah it's the one where kira looks at him and says i know who you really are and he's just standing there with the smirk on his face and you could tell the uncomfortable uncomfortableness of it huh. but when he goes yeah what's that i still still just want to hear from something the first like, trailer you know well pardon from the first trailer you mean yeah in the first yeah. trailer it's like you know, I, I, it's like, yeah, and, 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 you know, what is that? I would just love to have Sweetheart because in this trailer, we hear him say, well, I've got a really good feeling about this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and you know that leads later to I've got a bad feeling about this. So, you know, I, I just would love. The line just feels a little empty. But then yeah, again, it may just be for know, the trailer. Yeah. The big thing I think in my mind that especially, especially finding out that this is 10 years before A New Hope that gives Han so much room to grow mm-hmm. into the character that we know. Very true. Uh, like I think, I think it's perfect. People change a you lot know, we in do, ten years. We, yeah, we don't like we get to see Han start in a very different place, and I expect at the end we'll see Han much closer to where he'll end up. Uh, right. But it definitely won't be you know like he's going to walk into the Moss Eisley Cantina, uh, and I think that's going to go a long way towards helping. Uh, the movie ended up feeling a lot better than I think we're afraid it will. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's actually the one thing I hope they don't do. Walk into the Moss Eisley Cantina. End it 10 years before or something. Exactly. Um, and if they do yeah. that, I think a lot of my concerns will be gone. But, you know, 
those aside, because it's just the how close does Alnerenreich look to Harrison Ford thing. Everything else about the movie looks so, so good. And I'm really, it looks really good. excited. I'm really excited. It's got a great cast, great poster. Um, and, the, and the trailer was really enjoyable too. And I can't wait to, to learn more about Han's backstory and mm-hmm. the origin of uh, the, you know, the, how, how he got the Falcon and everything. I still, I still think it's going to end up being a different name before he gets the Falcon. Well, he was in I, uh, the book Millennium Falcon. Think, so yeah, I, would I be still think it's going to be the Lady Luck. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm probably wrong, but it would be, it would be really cool since Lando's the one that owns it. It would mm. be funny if she started out as the Lady Luck and he changed it to the Falcon. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll find out. I'm excited. Or think of it this way: a couple think weeks ago, way. he always used different names. For the Falcon, I think, especially in the, in the expanded universe, yeah. who's to say one of the false names could be Lady Luck? True, that's true. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. We will. We will see. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who can't get enough of uh, Han Solo right now, uh, this uh, next week, as you're listening to this, uh, as we're releasing this, um, next week, Star Wars: Last Shot will hit bookshelves and that that book follows Han and Lando and Chewbacca and some of the other characters from uh this solo movie as um as they they have this adventure that spans multiple eras from um you know the the you know the around the solo time period to even after return of the Jedi and and beyond so i am uh, very excited to read that book and uh, make sure to pick Absolutely. it up. We'll be Absolutely. We will be reviewing it uh, at some point on, on the podcast. So stay tuned. And uh, I think it's time to shift gears, actually. the um, It was a couple weeks ago now, but uh, when, we, um, uh, when we went to the Rebels series finale screening in, uh, in L.A., uh, we had the opportunity to stop by Disneyland as well, and we did the Secrets of the Empire VR experience, which was a lot of fun, and and uh, we actually have, um, you know, Tom, you you and I did this with uh, with Eric, uh, yep. your son, and we actually have Eric on the podcast with us briefly to talk about uh, his experience with Secrets of the Empire. Uh, Eric, welcome on the show. Hello. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Good. 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 Well, um, yeah. Let, let's let's Dad, get let's get right me. into it. You know, ha, ha, uh, have you had you done a, a VR experience before? Uh, like this? No. 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 Well, what what did you think? Honestly, it was really interesting, especially being for the first time, and I honestly kind of want to do it again. It's just trying to figure out a time. Yeah, well, yeah. We we need to figure out the next time to get down to to, to Disneyland. Um, no idea when that's going to be because like, you know it is expensive. And I feel like that time we would have to bring four people. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah, we, we ended do. up doing it. Uh, well, well, Tom. Yeah, we, we. Why don't you tell everybody what we how we ended up doing it? Yeah, we we were hope to have because we were down there with a group of people Aaron Gomes was actually there with us um, and it ended up to where he was not able to get his schedule uh, worked out to go with us so it was just myself Eric and naturally William we went and did it um, since they like to do it in groups of four they kind of put a person with us 
I mean, he was a nice guy. Um, the, the one thing that got a little, well, yeah, it was a group of four that had to be in there to do it, which I see the total point of putting that many people in there. Um, okay. So once the three of us got in there with the extra person, um, like I said, really nice guy. Um, we had to basically sign in. Um, and then from that point, they took us into a room to where they put on your rig. Um, so Eric, what did you think about putting on the rig? Honestly, it was interesting because you had to like step into it and then you had a little like clamp it down to you and then they had to take the wire off of it just to release you. That was the interesting part. Well, cause it's, it's fairly heavy when it, before it's strapped mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And so just to make it easy, they, they have it hanging on the, on, on the clip. Uh, but once it's on, it's, it's fairly comfortable. It wasn't that yeah, bad. And there was actually a lot of people in there. Cause once we got our rig, there was like, uh, four kids that came in. I mean, they, what did you guys think? How many groups did you think were going through that at the same time? It looked like to me, it looked like three. Am I correct? Or could it have been four? Cause there was, there was a couple groups, not just us. Uh, I don't remember. I thought I saw like one group like right after us. And I think like after we kind of gotten after that area, I think there's another group going in. Okay. So probably just the three of us. Yeah. I seem to have multiple groups going at the same time. And you know, the, the, the actual experience itself is only what, 10, 15 minutes, 10 minutes long maybe, but, um, yeah, yeah. it felt right though. It didn't Mm -hmm. feel like it was too long. It didn't feel like it was too short. It felt like it was the right, they timed it out right with a decent little story to get you through it and keep you entertained. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I I don't know about you guys, but I just loved the, um, just the, the experience of it where you, you know, you look around and it seems like you're in the real world. You hold up a hand Mm -hmm. and you see the, you know, your, 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 your virtual hand there. You look around and, you know, everyone's in stormtrooper gear and I can pat you on the shoulder and which was uh, cool. Yeah. And it, it yeah, feels like you're in the real world yeah. for a good solid five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had a couple technical issues uh, right at the very beginning. It wasn't, it's not flawless, yep. but once we got you in, it was all working. Okay. And, uh, it was fun. You know, yeah. uh, the, the thing that I found pretty cool is when you're sitting there getting your mission briefing, they used the Fulcrum logo. Mm-hmm. That's Fulcrum. Fulcrum was the one giving you the briefing. Yeah, because I thought that was really cool that it was Fulcrum. It was like for for the diehard Star Wars fans who watch Rebels, um, that was a really cool tie-in to that. My only, 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 only complaint is when you first started the game, you didn't have your blaster. You went in basically as four unarmed stormtroopers. You didn't like that? No, I wanted to walk in with a blaster. You're going undercover, I mean, I, though. We got it later in the lo- in the armor locker, but I wanted to go in with a blaster. Yeah. Oh, I just liked how. Um, if you guys don't want any spoilers, definitely skip forward a, a couple seconds. But um, I just really liked how they they were able to make it so that you know you know you're, you're trying to like open this door, for example, and hit these panels. And if you don't want to go yeah. solve it, you just shoot the panel, Star Wars style. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and thanks for telling me that, William. After I tried like four times, <laughs> yeah. And K two S O was basically giving me heck for it. It's like, <laughs> shall I slow it down for you? I just blast the panel for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, William literally is in my ear. I think trying to tell me hit the nose the panel. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but hey, it worked. It worked. Uh, oh, and, it worked just fine. Yeah. And just the little things like, you know, when you're you're outside on Mustafar and you're you're smelling the sulfur and you look down at the platform and you think you're going to fall off. I actually yep. lifted the helmet, the headset a few times and, uh, you know, I was looking around and you're, you're just in this tiny little room. Um, so Eric, like really what did, what did you think about the VR experience when you actually got in there and, and was looking around in the environment? Honestly, it was like, it was interesting. And obviously like, I know it's kind of like probably like the beginning stages of it, but maybe I thought it would be just a little bit more clear, mm. but again, if it's in the beginning stages and they're going to try and touch it up a bit more soon, but I thought it'd be a little bit more clear unless it was just because of the fact that like, was it you, William, who was saying something about the eyes and the, it, it, it was, was like, me. Yeah. Cause I, I had the issue to where the helmet didn't fit the helmet fit, but you had to, I had to cant my head up about like maybe two to three, two to three to four degrees to where I couldn't look straight. I had to look up that little bit to actually make everything clear. It's not to say it wasn't clear. It was clearer with a head canted up a little bit. Well, I didn't find that out. Clearly. Yeah. I, well, it, it was also walking through there. Sometimes it was kind of hard to hear what was going on. I don't know if it was a volume thing with me. Um, William, did you have the same experience in there or were you fine? That's fine. And you could you can adjust the, the volume independently okay. as well. But uh but yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's definitely not a perfect experience, but for what yeah. it is, no. they're I think they're doing uh a really they did a really good job and you can see that mm-hmm. this is the beginning of something really, really cool. Yeah, you can see the potential in it. Um that there's there's the one section that I I keep saying this the next time we go back and with if we go back with four people the section where you have the lava monster coming at you, there were four levels. Really think the next time you have to have one person take each level because I was having a good old time with yeah. the lower level. And and I think at one point I just yelled, I got the lower level hoping somebody would take like the other ones. Um, but I love the experience. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've done it three times at this point Lucky. and it's just i enjoy it every single time and um you, you every time you do it it's just a different different experience a little different uh and you can try new things and it changes and and so uh yeah if you if you if you haven't tried it yet folks uh go go check it out and um if you've done it again, if you've already done it you know i i recommend going again it's it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. and thanks for uh thanks for going with me and not a problem, but I have one tip for you folks out there that are doing it. Make sure if you go with a group of four people, you get different paladins or different colors on, yeah. on your shoulders. Because that, that was something where it's like, I think uh, a couple of us had the same color. No, it, it was, was it was me and the other guy who got placed with us. We had the same one, but you guys were okay. Okay, yeah, because it's, it's very confusing once you go through that you you could not tell apart yeah so i wish they they just prevented that that would be really easy to do yeah again like what i kind of said was like if you if one color selected it just goes away and then you have to select another one but obviously they didn't do that or they should do that but because they they gave you like what it was like six or eight colors they gave you plenty for your group 
but it's just that mm -hmm. like like Eric just said, if it blanked out a color that was used, it gave you the other options instead of having two people with the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, much much better. Uh, I think yeah. that would be a much better solution. But you know what? Yep. That's a minor complaint overall. It, for the experience, it was worth it. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, thanks uh, thanks for coming, Eric, to to join us and talk about the the, the fun experience. And uh, we no will... problem. Now, I yeah, thanks, it's... bud. So, Tom, obviously, we don't have a normal episode yes. rundown for this week since there's no new episodes. But give us, you know, for those maybe who forgotten, give us everybody a, a brief recap of season four. Uh, just a yeah, very well, short, short, short brief recap. I was gonna say brief in that. Yeah, you know. We I'll, got like I'll keep... 14, ep 14 episodes, something like that. <laughs> Quick, summarize it to two sentences. Two sentences, yeah, two go. Sentences. Okay, well, basically, there was a total of 16 episodes that were split into two parts. The thing that really hurt for us as fans was the first part started in October 16th, went to November 13th of 2017, and then there was a the big break all the way to February 19th to get the finale on March 5th of 2018. That was a heck of a gap between basically a 16 episode arc that was split into two of eight and eight. Okay. Yeah. But a so lot happened at, in those episodes. Yeah, a lot happened. But the one thing to summarize the series as a whole, starting all the way back to season one, because it kind of ties all the way to season four, it really started on the planet Lethal. And at the end of this, it ended where it began on the planet Lethal. That's the best so way to summarize what you're saying, Tom, it was, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yes, it was. And everything came full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. And, you know, uh, we, we were talking before the show. It, the, the very first episode of the, of the season actually premiered at Celebration uh, over, over a year ago now. Yeah. Uh, which is, you guys are lucky. I almost, I almost might be exactly a year ago, I think. Uh, exactly a year I ago. Think this it is. Week. I feel like I've been seeing like, those Facebook memories have been exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's how I tell. And we and we were left on that on that cliffhanger uh, where we thought that all of Sabine's family had been killed. Uh, remember, then they made us wait what, oh, six right. months or whatever it was oh. for uh, for the for the next episode. Amy, well, you were there as well. What were your thoughts when you when we, we got left on that? It was great seeing the early preview of the season. Then we got left on that cliffhanger only to come back. In October, what were your thoughts of that 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 beginning two parter on on Mandalore with Sabine's family? This is so. There are a couple of things. Uh, I'll I'll do the 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 nicer thing first, and that I was so excited to see Bo Katan come back. Yes, and yeah. kind of you know have the dark saber come into the picture again and learn more about Sabine's past. And I thought it was uh, great slash terrible that the weapon was called the Duchess. <laughs> yeah, that, that did kind of hurt Bo-Katan and the rest of the Mandalores who kind of picked up on that. Yeah, that was not not the best name. But I was, I don't want to say disappointed, but I was, I really thought her family was dead. I thought they were gone this, after Celebration. And then you see the next episode and you're like, immediately you learn they were. And I was like, well, that kind of felt like a an, a fake out that, I don't want to say it wasn't necessary because you did kind of get that tension and then you're relieved and it kind of talked to the, the cost of, you know, what the fight, you know, to the, the point of sacrifice and 
there are a lot of layers to unpack there. But my first thought was like, really? They're not dead? Like, <laughs> okay. I agree. Which you know, sounds I'm... like such a mean thing to <laughs> no, say. No, I, I get it, though. Like, it's an animated series. Not but mean at all. You, it, we, we thought that they went there. You know, like, whoa, they actually killed their whole family. Uh, and then I think because they showed it so early, six months early, we had six months to live with it, uh, that by the time the episodes actually aired, and they aired back to back, so um, you know the average user, uh, the average viewer just saw them, you know, in a row and didn't really have that time to like live with it and hang on it for so long. But yeah, see, this is it's tough. This is just punishment for all of you who got to go to celebration and actually see it that <laughs> early. Yeah, yeah, so Steven, you, you weren't there. So sure. how how did it feel for you? Yes, yeah, this is where like. I kind of forgot that that was even a thing until you reminded me of it. Because like I said, I watched them back to back and it just wasn't a like it wasn't a big thing that like did play we, out the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was never hanging over me in the same way. Uh, I still definitely enjoyed the episodes and like I think they worked even without that drama hanging over it. But uh, I definitely had a different experience with it than, you know, all of you did. Mm-hmm. I, I think the drama was still there, even though it was back to back because of how it was done. You know, yes, yeah. it probably could have been for us, maybe given us about two weeks between episodes. Wasn't have been a long as long as, you know, Amy and William, you guys had. But, you know, the drama was still there. It was like, did they or didn't they do go that far? Yeah. And one of the yeah, other things like, gonna, sorry, Amy, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I have a tangent to throw us on at some point, not necessarily right now, but I want to discuss what you all thought of how the episodes were released at some point. Oh, yes, we should do we, you know, oh, let's, okay. let's, let's Actually, talk about that I, now. It's I'm perfect all, timing. Yeah, let's detour. And then we'll, then we'll, then we'll come back, uh, but let's, let's yeah, detour Yeah, we have no problem tangenting. <laughs> okay, it's one of my worst things on podcasts, uh, okay. but... We are no, so I'm guilty of that it. all the time. <laughs> I like how it played out later, kind of in that back half of the season when we came back from the break, because I feel like a lot of those stories were very much, like, especially... The Kanan, uh, what happened with Kanan having those those stories paired together was really kind of necessary, I think. But early in the season, I just felt I'm like, are you guys trying to burn through these? Like, what's? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about it. It was fast. Like we had, uh, and that too. Try to think through, like because it was a short season. It was only 16 episodes. I mean, the season one was shorter as well, but two and three were much longer. So we went back to a shorter season, and then we did two episodes at a time for the most part. Um, so it worked out to, uh, actually I think it had been, yeah, exactly eight, eight event evenings basically. Uh, and then we were done four in the fall, four in the, I think that's right. Four in the yeah, fall, it, spring, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Made, no, I think it was like, like you four know, and three. Tom, five when three, you were yeah. talking about how long, yes, like how long that took to do all these episodes, you know, um, like over a year almost. And it's so weird because on the other hand, I feel like it went so fast too. Mm-hmm. It did, you know, because like, they were putting them back to back and that's why it felt like it was so quick, especially when you look at the date, you know, they started the second half of the episode was February 19th. So you're talking February, March. Over March literally. 5th, that's right. Yeah, yeah, March 5th, it was over. So yeah. 19th and then you've got the other week, which would be what, the week of the 25th, I'm going to round about. Yeah. And then probably within three weeks, that the show was over, done. Yeah. Four weeks, and then probably, then, then yeah. like three weeks, and it it was maybe it was very short. I, I just wanted it stretched because it was the series finale, and I you know this the last season, and I wasn't mm-hmm. ready for it to go, and it just felt so yeah. I 
I kind of so agree. Fast. I kind of agree, but I think the way the storytelling went, it had to be this way. And that I makes think, sense too. yeah, it, it, it seemed like it had to be this way. If they were to have stretched it out, maybe the flow of the episodes, the, the cadence of the episodes, the timing of the episodes, everything they were looking at didn't work and putting them this short. Yeah. It deprived us of a really nice goodbye, mm-hmm. but it gave us a really good cadence, a really good flow and just a really good story within that short amount of time. Totally agree. I mean, yeah. we, we've talked about for years, um, almost probably since the beginning of this show, for almost a decade, we've been talking about how we wish we could get like hour-long episodes every week mm-hmm. instead of just 22 minutes because so often 22 minutes just doesn't <clears throat> give them enough time to really di- di- dive into the story and you know have the, just even like the establishing shots and the things that very feel very Star Wars that they have to cut down be- just because they have to go, 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 go. And Dave Filoni mm-hmm. and the whole Rebels team and Clone Wars team did a fantastic job uh, in those 22 minutes, but it's still 22 minutes. Right. And now we get the opportunity yeah. to basically have an hour-long episode effectively. But I think because That's it's true. a shorter season and because you know we all wanted to... It was the final season. You'd look at it mm-hmm. and go, well, I just I've watched the first episode and now I'm you know 20% done. <laughs> right. It's almost yeah, over. Part of, me, part of me wonders if this is kind of an influence by like... I don't even know what to call it, but like the Netflixization of Mm kind of television where you kind of expect to be able to like work through the content a lot faster and almost watch it back to back in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's certainly common for a lot of other shows. And in like in a way, like getting, you know, six episodes across three weeks kind of has that same same feeling to it. That's true, honestly, because like you look at any around and it just you look at many of the premium shows now and they they they're only like, what, 10, eight to 13 episodes long. So it's about the mm-hmm. same as yeah, you know, eight episodes, although, and it, you know, eight hour episodes. And I think from a story perspective, you look at it as the story being very tight. You don't have to drag something out. You can get it into a natural rhythm to tell your story. And you're not going to sit here and go, OK, well, we have to take the story and stretch it out over 12 episodes. But it would be better if it were, let's say, eight. Yeah. You know, because we've, we've seen many episodes in the past when we've watched Star Wars that some episodes work great as three episode arcs. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your one filler that's got a little bit of a story that kind of ties into the overall. This way they were able to time it out perfectly to where we could tell that story literally from beginning to end. Each little segment has its beginning and end, but it flows so much easier this way with a limited amount of episodes and then we're done. Yeah, yeah, I think you make a really good point for that, Tom. Really good case yeah. for that. I wonder if, if they hadn't done the break between uh, during the midseason and just said, "Yeah, we're going to air them all in the, you know, in, in, over the winter, uh, you know, af, af, in the, after the new year," and did them that way, eight weeks in a row. I wonder if we would have felt the same because then it's just like, yeah, like any premium show that releases weekly. Um, you know, taking like the HBO shows, for example, right? That's, you know, 10 episodes or so, and they mm-hmm. released over 10 weeks and you're done. And, but um, I wonder if because these were done, because it was so short, um, you would just get into it and it'd be over. You just get into it and be over. Right. I don't know. Either way, it was still a great season. <laughs> yeah. But would you, would you have really wanted it done? Let's see, if you look at it, October, to have it completely wrapped up by January, fully everything done. 
and and it's over. I mean, it's it's sad the show is gone, but it gave us at least a bit of a break. And again, it's something that Dave Filoni didn't do with Clone Wars and didn't have the opportunity is to end it the way he wanted. And it seemed like this was the best way he could have done it instead of just like, we're going to throw everything at you and then we're done. This way it's like, yeah. we're going to throw yeah. you this little bit. We're going to give you a bit of a break so you guys can like catch your breath. And then we're going to tell you this really great story within the short amount of time because this is how I feel is the best way to end the show. And I get to end it the way I want it. And then we're going to just leave you guys satisfied and move on to the next project. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I actually kind of bringing us back into the Mandalore duology. I feel like these were kind of some of the better episodes we really got with Sabine this uh, season as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure like this was, I think really her time to shine kind of in her element. Um, and definitely was almost, I almost feel like this may, these may have been like season three episodes that they decided to kind of bring forward into season four. Um, they felt pretty disconnected, I'd say, from the rest of the season. I, I see your point because I think it probably could have, if it were to have flown mm-hmm. correctly, it would have followed the episodes where she got the Darksaber and was training with it. I, I see how these two could fit in that point. Um, but it does feel like to start the season off, this may have been the better place to put those two episodes. Yeah. I did love the, like, as you brought up, Amy, I love the return of, of Bo-Katan from, you know, who, who we were introduced to in the Clone Wars. And at the end of the, the two-parter, um, we, we find out that uh, Sabine gives Bo-Katan the Darksaber and makes her the, the leader of Mandalore. Uh, and for a little while, I mean, I think she, she, you know, she was she was given the dark saber and she turned it down, and then she ends up taking up the mantle again. Um, I think at the time we were all speculating that the Mandalorians and Bo-Katan would return and maybe play a big role in the series finale, but they really, they really didn't. It, that was kind of the end of the Mandalorian arc there. Yeah, this- yeah, that was something else that surprised me a little was that after I'm glad Sabine came back, and I think. Mm-hmm. Like you said, this was kind of her strongest, uh, aside from the Darksaber stuff in season three, some of her strongest material. But after they took her away and she split off from the group, I thought she might spend more time on Mandalore. So I'm kind of glad we got that, not out of the way, so to speak, but that they did that. And then she rejoined the group for the rest of the season. Yeah, which was nice because, I mean, we only had limited episodes with Sabine. And so it was hard not having her there for a little while. But... um, I think she returned in the occupation. So it was really only, actually, I think it was only two episodes she was gone, right? No, no, well, she, was she was even in the name of the rebellion. No, name of the actually, rebellion. Yeah. Yeah, she was that one. Because I, I think when it came to this, I think she was actually in the rest of the season. I don't yeah, think oh, she Oh, no, you're right. You're off. right. She was. Sorry, I'm thinking of, oh. I'm, why am I saying that? I'm thinking of season three for some reason. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Ignore <laughs> me. It's been a long day. <laughs> no, don't okay. worry. Uh but I, I was surprised that we didn't get, and I think we were all assuming the Mandalorians would return. I think it's it, it felt right that they didn't uh, at the end. Agreed. Um, but I know there was lots of speculation. Oh, will Sabine go back to Mandalore and take up the Darksaber again? And maybe she'll be, you know, who knows? But um, none of that actually, none of that speculation turned out to be correct. Well, to a certain extent, I was kind of hoping that when, I was kind of hoping the Mandalorians would be in the, final episode but we'll get to that when we get to the final episode because that's kind of what i thought instead of the curveball they threw us yeah the uh the next two-parter was in the name of the rebellion and this one we got to see um 
Saw Gerrera again. He returns, and uh, we, get, we I really enjoyed. I don't know about you. I really enjoyed the the interplay between Saw Gerrera and the Rebel Alliance mm-hmm. uh, in in this arc. Well, I think it's not just Saw Gerrera, but it was also. Um, Oh God! Oh, two tubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mon Mothma. Yeah. That's what I wanted. And, and yes, Mothma. two tubes oh, right. as well. Yeah, but no, it was it, it was the it was Mon Mothma coming out and actually confronting that hologram. That was the big. Oh, thing. that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. that I, was actually really cool to see. Yeah, I thought these episodes did a fantastic job of like really setting. You know, we were at this point. I think we were past Rogue One. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it did a great job of tying into Rogue One without you know really tying into it. Um, like we had saw, but it just, it set up this, uh, division in the rebellion just perfectly. I thought, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I forgot about that Mon Mothma moment because it was so powerful. Wow. Mon yeah. Mothma moment. It's hard to say that three times fast. Yeah. Cause she, we've <laughs> never seen her. We've almost always seen her as the serene, calm figure. So to watch her lose her temper, um, not even lose her temper. I mean, she was pretty justifiably angry, but that was such a different tone for her. I, I remember now that Tom mentioned like, oh, that was actually quite, it made an impression in the moment. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I you don't want to make her angry. That's not good for yeah. anyone. I just, and I and it really showed dynamic. the division between the two. It showed why you had Saw Gerrera on one side and his terrorist quote-unquote tactics, and you had Mon Mothma going, that's not the way to do it. And you really got to see that play out, which worked very well. Yeah. Yeah, and we got poor Brom, Brom Titus, <laughs> the commanding officer oh, of the yeah. Imperial ship. And uh, and then, you know, we, we got the whole, um, this in the second half of that arc, we got the darks, uh, um, see the kyber crystal, the giant kyber crystal they went and tried to, uh, uh, take from the uh, Imperials because they're trying to trace back uh, the kyber crystal to the secret weapon the Empire is working on. And while we never got to see it, um, we got even more hints uh, about yeah, the Death just, Star. Just as a side note, I still don't know how they got that giant kyber crystal through those tiny hallways. <laughs> <laughs> like That is the type That's of thing that point. continues to keep me up at night. Suspension of disbelief. I keep saying that sporadically, just like you know, if you if you call attention to something, you got to use it later. Stuff like that, you got to suspend your disbelief on things like this. You know, so Tom, I can believe in, in a mystical energy field that binds all living things, but uh, that like, 50... this is where I draw the line. <laughs> this is where I draw the line. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, that works. Let's let's be realistic here. And, okay. And I have all to right. say, the rebels actually fooled me. Um, I was sure we were going to see. Uh, how Saw Gerrera goes. I mean, not they shouldn't be explaining every single thing, uh, you know, but... Oh, this is Star Wars. I, I every thought we were going to... minute detail must be explained <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. thoroughly. <laughs> but I was sure we were going to see how Saw goes from uh, the, the guy he is in Rebels to the more damaged character in Rogue One not that long later, you know? No. Just a few months, probably. And I remember in the visual guide for Rogue One... There was a there was a timeline and there was a um, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly now but there was a um, there was a comment about how he was injured with Geonosian um, uh, gas or the poison oh, whatever right, it was right like kind of a poison that's right. yeah yeah and um, and they said that that's how Sagarera was hurt and then we went to Geonosis in season three and we saw some of the poison but he never he never got hurt. Um, and I was like, well, I guess they're going to come back and maybe in season four and do it. 
and right. they still we didn't. So at happen. some point, he went back to Geonosis or somehow was involved in that poison and uh, became injured to the point where, you know, he needed the the big suit, not just the armor, but like the life support system and everything. Um, but, but yeah, based on the based on the visual guide, I, I was certain we were going to see it because they they placed all those little clues that it was going to be in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Well, also when it came to Saw Guerrero, you never got to see him lose the leg or lose the mm-hmm. lose his extremities. Because remember, when you saw him in Rogue One, he really didn't have a leg. He had that robotic leg. So I guess at some point we may get a story about it or just go with it. Yeah. But I still really, really enjoyed uh, this arc as well. Yeah, it feels so distant from like the rest of the season on Lothal that mm-hmm. I kind of put it separately in my mind. But mm-hmm. it's it was really I really liked the two parter. I think I know some people, at least with Rogue One, don't like Saw or how he was portrayed. But I think he's a fascinating study of mm-hmm. what can happen when you take the wrong the wrong like you take the wrong means to get to the the end you want. Mm-hmm. So I like the character. <laughs> Boogala. Boogala. Yeah. Sorry. He's just such a fun guy to impersonate. It's hard on the vocal cords, though. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it was a it was a it was a really fun pair of episodes. Uh, and, and then, you know, actually, I, I wonder. Kind of going back to the, take a quick break. Going back to the format real quick. Go back. Okay. Um, the end of the season had a very different. Uh, style than we're used to. The episodes were all serialized, as opposed to the um, you know the very standalone episodes. I mean, they always had a, the story progress. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. as standalone as like a sitcom or something. But um, the the last the back half of the season, and rightly so because they were leading up to the end of the series, uh, was like back to back, one thing built on the next thing. Uh, it seemed like, uh, but versus what like we we're talking about. You had the Mandalorian episodes and then the Sagarera episodes and then the Occupation. And they were, they all had a somewhat common thread, um, but uh, more so even than previous seasons, but um, not not the same as what we got in the last half of the season. Which one did you end up, do you, do you have a preference? Which one did you end up preferring? Or do you Ooh, not care? Amy, Amy go, go first. Format-wise, you mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. I I liked the end of the season where it was very much like we're picking up pretty much where we left off at the end of the last episode and doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, for more than two episodes. I thought, you know, that's maybe something I'm used to also with binging Netflix TV shows. Mm -hmm. That tends Mm -hmm. to be the format. So to see it with Rebels, I think it really worked. And I think it makes sense because like I I let off with, we started Rebels on Lethal. And the question was, what was the big importance about Lethal? And it just made sense that after the occupation or um, sorry, starting with the occupation that you would get the final episodes on that planet. So you can actually dig into why that planet was so important. Not so much because of the Jedi temple. We did find out later that it was because of the tide defender and that's where it was going to be built and how that tied in to rogue one. So we knew and we found out, well, we found out why Lethal was so important and why it was why it was imperative that Ezra wanted to basically liberate the planet. I mean, I think that's why, that's why the the final part of this whole series, I think it flowed very well from the storytelling Mm -hmm. point of view. 
because it, yeah, it helps like they're all. they're rushing toward the end of the series yeah as well but i i hope that you know i i know that those type of stories are much harder for casual people to to get into because they you know they casual viewers because they they pick up an episode and like wait what happened i don't understand but it's mm-hmm. definitely my favorite style of story and so hopefully we'll get more of that in in the star wars television series going forward i don't think it was i don't think it was that difficult with the first part of the last episodes i don't think it was that difficult to kind of just come in and watch them i think the problem was when you got toward let's say jedi knight and doom and wolves at the door and then between two worlds you would have to watch them in order to understand mm-hmm. what was going on but just when they get to the planet lethal you probably could pop in and pop out the rest of them i agree you'd have to watch them as a whole and back to back yeah, if you came into that Force uh, Loth Wolf stuff later without having seen yeah. it, I mean, it was still what? weird, but it would have been... Yeah, well... <laughs> You'd been super confused. Especially the uh, the war between... Uh, the world between... Well, world between worlds. That one, if you were to just drop right in on, you would be so lost. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I'm actually I trying like to it. think of what somebody would think of that episode yeah. with no other context. <laughs> There's it's like these like space wolves that travel through hyperspace and then they go into this place and then they're in space with all these portals and other places and they change time. What? <laughs> yeah, but, but they would probably look at it going, God, that mural on the wall, man, when that thing animated, that was so cool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, but then, so, so we get into what the, the fifth episode of the season and it kind of takes a, it takes the, uh, it, it, well, we, we switch from the, the two parters. We still get two episodes a night, uh, every evening, but they went from, uh, being a, a true two parter to just two kind of next to each other. Um, but this is where they really started the beginning of the end and we didn't really, know it at the time but it's kind of like one of those you know in a, in a in a video game for example it's like it's that point of no return when the ghost crew goes down to lothal and they say goodbye to the ghost for a while and to callus and um and you know and they're all they're all up in uh, in orbit waiting we actually don't see the characters for uh, a few episodes um but we yeah, kind of get I a look at say this yeah this is the kind of the moment where they really pare down the the cast in a sense, mm-hmm. and just and you know they you know there's two ways go, of going about like final seasons. I feel like you either go really big or you go really small and, you know, and do this big character focus type piece. And I feel like they went with the latter, um, and I I think it definitely paid off. Yeah. What, what did I you think, think they did it on yeah. scales too, because like in these couple episodes, you get kind of a smaller group of them, and then by the time you get to the end of the season, it's a family reunion. Yeah, which is such uh, a perfect, yeah. perfect title for it, because <laughs> it really was. Yeah, because yeah. it was, and that was the name of the episode. Yeah, like everyone. So it was back. a. I'm glad they kind of went between both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what, what did you think of going back to Lothal? You know, the, 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 as Tom said, the planet we started on, and seeing it so different in the occupation. Uh, I know. think I, I was resistant at first because I've grown on Ezra. I've come to appreciate him more, but I don't think I've ever really liked the character a lot. He just gets under my skin, and and Lothal is his kind of planet, so I just kind of have this knee jerk, like, ah, oh, like, do we have to? <laughs> but. 
once I started watching the episodes, especially once we got to Kindred and went back, mm-hmm. it's the only way I think the series could have ended. I agree. It's on that planet. And I'm glad they didn't mm-hmm. go wandering off to do other missions. And, you know, I think that yeah. was a good call. Yeah. Just ending Elenthal is the right way to go as opposed to like some big mission for the Rebel Alliance or something. But I- I'm kind of with, with you, especially on Lothal. Um, it's a, it, it's a nice looking plant, but I always felt like just due to the limitation of animation, it was sometimes it just felt too desolate at times. Like just, there's like random buildings sticking out in the middle of nowhere. And and near the end of the season, they, they got a lot nicer too. But I I guess the, the classic one is just that, that highway in the middle of nowhere where they'd like, Mm -hmm. they just like, there's just a highway and that's it. That's the only thing. (laughs) Where's that highway going? Which I I get is, you know, is is supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be, this giant road in the middle of nowhere with not a lot going on. But um, I, I wouldn't say it was my favorite planets, but um, again, it, it, it really grew on me too over the, over the series. And, and yeah, by the end I, it was like, kind of, it was almost heartbreaking to see Lothal um, start to. So damaged. Yeah. When the occupation and then especially in, uh, in rebel assault as well, when you see the city basically uh, destroyed even more. And then at the, at, the, at the end of the series as well. But it was the thing that actually gave the characters purpose. You saw it so desolate and it gave them the purpose of we need to, or it gave Ezra the thing of we need to liberate my planet. I mean, that's, he, that this was is his where we total need to drive. Yeah, yeah. That was his total drive the whole time was we need to liberate this planet. And it wasn't so much that he was staying on the planet or want to get back to the planet because of his parents being there. And that was his, that was his, his, his goal was, is like, you know what? Cause my parents are here. I'm going to stay here. No, his big thing was, and his big drive, I need to liberate this planet. Yeah. And it had to get that bad before it got better. It was actually really good to see Ezra kind of grow in this way. Like, yes, I feel like he spent most of seasons one through three. Like he kind of dabbled with the dark side a little bit and he had some, you know, back and forth. But through this all, he was a very, he still, he had this like lightness to him almost, I would say. Um, And he, and a lack of purpose almost like, mm-hmm. yeah, he wanted, he talked about saving Lothal. Yeah. He talked about wanting to be kind of, kind of become a Jedi, but he never felt focused in the way he did in these final episodes. And it's one of those things that like, I think it really elevated his character to the point where like before, if Ezra had died at the end, I would have been sad, but I would have been like, yep, that's fine. Uh, and now I'm actively engaged. Like I want to know what happens to him next, especially given mm-hmm. that we didn't get an answer to that, that type of question. Totally agree. Very true. Totally agree. Uh, and it was nice and to I, get to return some old friends as well, like, you know, Jai Kel from the Academy, and uh, we got some of Ryder Zadi, Visago, all, uh, even old Joe uh, back, although he unfortunately yeah, old was, Joe came back. Was, uh, was executed. Wait, did he get killed? He did. Yeah. Yeah, that's what say. I thought. Poor old Joe. <sighs> Way to he, open a wound. Yeah. <laughs> he was a and shooting I, star that went too quick. That's a good question. What was the uh, most tragic death for you in the, in the, in the season? Kanan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ignoring Kanan. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's okay. Um, can can I get you the know one? What? Bryce. Uh, oh, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. Well, no. You you kind of took my answer because I was going to say the most satisfying one was Price. It was now, satisfying. That's yes, true. it was. It was yeah. satisfying because it's it's one of those things in which it seemed like whenever anybody crossed or did something wrong with Thrawn or against Thrawn, they always got their comeuppance. Okay. Price was the last one that basically burned Thrawn by blowing up the fuel depot that 
cut down his prized, you know, defender type defender program. Um, but also, uh, who's who's the other admiral that we just lost in this um, season? Uh, we call it was earlier. Who was he? Titan. Uh, uh, Brom Titus or yeah, Brom Titus. Okay, yeah, because didn't Titus when also the in spring... theory planned? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Amy. So just go ahead. Oh no, because I, I agree. It was satisfying. I really liked when the wolves uh, chewed on her. All well, that whole fight, but um, I think she's such a it's just such a cruel, ambitious, fascinating villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't like. I'd like the idea of having her around for more stories. So I was this like I was sad. Like I'm like, oh, I kind of want her to stay around because she's such a good foil and just so sh- terrible. Mm-hmm. But also, she that was okay that she yeah. like she said it was satisfying You're like yeah she she yeah. had that coming her death was mm-hmm. the price we had to pay to end the series was, so, oh. no no. Okay. no moving on <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was gonna i'll add rook up there in terms of uh mm. satisfying and yet kind of sad deaths as well uh there's Yo, just that's... that go ahead i was no just the like that moment where you real he realizes he's trapped he's not getting out and uh there's that moment, I think, when every person who'd read the Toronto is like, and that's no longer happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never mind. But you have to admit, the way Zeb broke the news to Thrawn was classic. <laughs> great. <laughs> Zeb's reaction to Rook was classic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was but. so funny. Oh, yeah. Steve uh, did a, a really great job playing Zeb. They, they all did. Um, mm-hmm. while we're on the subject of, of Zeb, um, it was just fun to see Zeb's arc throughout the series from like the kind of the, the, I mean, kind of the big brother character, but who, who was a bit more grumpy and then grew to love Ezra and, um, you know, and, uh, and he kind of, he went on this whole journey. He made friends with Callus, and then, uh, and uh, you know, they became actually really good friends. And then, um, you know, he found his people and it's all in the, in the previous seasons. And then, you know, eventually does get to go home and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and live with everybody else. I actually, I actually, I think I kind of disagree. Uh, I loved Zeb, really? but I, of all the characters that I wish had gotten more development, I think Zeb tops my list. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so okay. I think, I really think his best episode was, was it season two when he has the Cal's, the Zeb and Callus episode? Yeah, oh, it was. Moon, yeah. yeah, it was the takeoff of Enemy Mine. It was that. Yeah, episode. like yeah. that was an amazing mm-hmm. episode and definitely kind of ranks up there as one of my favorites. But mm. I, he had a lot of funny moments after that, but he never had as something as kind of uh, life changing, I think, for the character. I think that and when he found his like other uh, Lasat survivors, like those two episodes were his his biggest moments. But yeah, the, the other stuff I feel kind of happened in, in smaller strokes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I agree. And I, so the other thing I have to call out uh, and thank profusely to Dave Filoni, uh, Flight of the Defender obviously introduced one of my favorite classic uh, expanded universe ships, the TIE Defender. Yep. You. Everything I could have wanted. I am not a person who gets into ships or vehicles, but I can respect that. (laughs) That. That's okay. <laughs> it, it, it it's a yeah. I mean, I um, 
I, I can I, I appreciate the ships, but I'm I, I'm not probably I'm not definitely not as into them as as, as much as Steven is or I'm as much of an expert. Uh, but the tie defender was really cool, and and how they tied it into huh, tied it into Lothal was um, <laughs> you're uh, killing it. Good one. Good one. <laughs> By killing me, making absolutely horrible puns. Uh, then yes. Yeah. Um, you're killing uh, it. We're going to have to use a switch one of these days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, we mean like the kill switch in uh, in the tie defender. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! Just oh. no. Um, <laughs> but I, I love the inclusion of the of the of the tie defender, and we actually get that great moment too with the uh, the Lothcats um, helping out Ezra and Sabine as they try to steal the tie defender and uh, oh, yeah. um, kind of chasing the stormtroopers off into the into the mountains and stuff. Uh, and this, I really this- liked. The Loath Wolves, or the Loath Cats and Loath Wolves. Yeah, and this is really when they took a much bigger role, I think. Yeah, in, I was going to bring that up. Did anybody expect the Loth Cats to have that big of a role with going into the last part of the, the seasons, the season? No, as a cat lady, I had hopes. I just wanted to see them again, but that they mm-hmm. actually kind of were important. Mm-hmm. I was overjoyed. Mm-hmm. And this is also our interest, introduction to the, uh, the Loth Wolves as well, which would be, you know, become a huge no was it part of the season was this really the introduction Can, or, yeah yeah they showed up at the end of flight of defender yeah I, the defender for some reason i thought they'd been introduced way before way no. later uh, it's, sorry, it's hard to earlier, believe but <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing wow yeah and i think they're fascinating i loved i'm a ghibli fan so all the mononoke references that i think that the dave drew from with the loath wolves is and they're definitely, I did some side-by-side shots. Some of them are really straight-up references, but the mythology of it, too. And I think it was really important to have them kind of show a different side of Lothal or kind of show, I guess, what uh, you know, what else on Lothal is at risk if the Empire succeeds in mm-hmm. total occupation. And just how much we don't know about Lothal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too. Like, who would well, have thought that, that we the Loth wolves and the Loth cats would be such a huge... Um, huge part of the of the series, and it's kind of fun to see that other, more mysterious side to Lothal. I, I may be wrong in this, but didn't they kind of hint that the Lothwolves almost kind of gone, almost could have gone either way? They really wanted, you know, let's say Ezra to pull everything off, but it was one of those things in which it's not to say they were nebulous, but there was something about the Lothwolves. I'm trying to remember where it I was it, brought up, and it may have been yeah, a throwaway have, thing. I think it came out of Rebels Recon, um, but it was kind of talking about like the Lothwolves are not—they're not rebels in the sense that like Ezra and the rest are rebels. They mm-hmm. have objectives and things they want to have happen, and they think Ezra is the best way for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But if it happens, like if it doesn't, then they've got they'll do other things to like. Yeah, right. they would move on. Yeah, they'll move on. Okay. And in fact, if Ezra got in the way, I think they would have. I think there was a point him. in which, yeah, there was a point in which they were, you know, not too happy with him, and you could tell that they were just like trying to push him one way, and Ezra kept trying to, you know, say no, no, but you can just tell they were getting frustrated with him. Yeah, so. after Kanan died, they were. Yes. They were. Not happy with Ezra. I'm like, boy, you're gonna turn into a snack. Watch out, you kid. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to believe that that was all Flight of the Defender. Wow. 
okay. um, when, when it all started. Uh, and then we get uh, Kindred as well, which is when we get the uh, the introduction of the uh, the the mining uh, the mining vehicle, and the, we get to see the mining gill, sorry, the mining crawl, the ore crawler, and uh, we get the introduction of the, from from the mining guild, and we got Vizago again, and this one again, I think of all of the episodes, this one probably felt the it's probably my least favorite, I think, of the season. Uh, it was still an enjoyable episode. Um, don't get me wrong. Um, and it was nice to see how they got the ore crawler, which would, you know, become their base of operations later in the, in the season. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it was kind of a smaller story about them just stealing the ore crawler from the, from the mining guild. Yeah. I didn't yeah, really I... care for crawler commanders. That's the second part of kindred, right? Uh, or those yes. Yeah. Names? It was kindred and crawler commanders. Thank you. Yeah, that one did not. The Trandoshan was funny, but I loved Kindred. I liked all the wolf force things, but Collar Commanders, I was not. Yes. I didn't feel that one. That kind of felt mm. out of place in an otherwise really strong season for me, but necessary so, to get the Crawler thing. Definitely, yeah. At least they explained it, uh, which which yeah. is good, but. I, the rest I of the definitely season, I how... was just so so good that <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but say, I, I did really like that a lot of the season kind of built on top of itself. Um, yeah, it's something that's always kind of risky to do. I think in television series where you have every episode uh, build on top of each other, uh, but like in the final season, especially, that's a lot easier to do. And like watching how the rebellion on Lethal gets built, you know, how they find each base, how they get each like piece of tech that they need you know to survive i thought worked really really well yeah yeah uh, but and no, it really sorry. built upon itself going into rebel assault from this point forward it really built it did it to did, where the but, story just kept you know it basically went to the crescendo yeah but but yeah. to your point a- amy kindred was all about uh rook actually trying to track them down and they're trying to take the uh the the hyperdrive from the uh, the flight of the defend from the de- tie defender that's that right. And Sabine's like, or whichever one of them was like, but we could also blow it up and cause some damage, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I think that's what happened, but it's been a little bit ago. <laughs> yeah, and that's when they, you know, they, they hit it. Rook came after them and they had the whole fight with that's the right. invisibility, invisible, um, uh, the Reiko Hardeen inspired. Oh, yeah, uh, that was cool. Uh, invisibility uh, armor yeah. or whatever it was. And that's where she used the uh, paint can on him to, to yeah. see him. Oh, which was a bit of a right. surprise yeah. that she she did well, that. And only later to say that they're like, oh yeah, we don't kill him, and they had no problems killing him later in the season. Okay, but you have to admit it did set up a really good comedy bit where she did have fun painting him up, putting him on the speeder, and sending him back to Thrawn. You have to that, admit that was pretty fun. Oh yeah. I wish I could have, we could have seen Thrawn's face when Rook arrives. <laughs> when he showed up. <laughs> what happened to you? Actually, you know, since you mentioned Thrawn, it's kind of another question for all of you. Uh, you know, Thrawn was, I'd say, very present in uh, season three of Rebels and felt very uh, kind of always there. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like he took kind of a backseat this season and like he was kind of there in the beginning and then disappeared really until the end. How did you guys feel about that? I was, you know, I liked he was looming. He was kind of a, a, a distant threat. You know, we could see when Price would check in with him or he would pop up making a, some sort of, me, you know, doing a message of some kind. But overall, I 
would have preferred him to be have a more heavy hand and be on Lothal more than he was. But if you look at it from the story perspective, he was called off planet to make his case for the Tide Defender, which that tied it into Rogue One because Krennic was mentioned in this season and also Stardust, which we all know that's the Death Star. So it kind of made sense that he would be off planet at this time. So Price can set herself up for major failure. Um, I, I, I think it didn't bother me because they also brought him back at the right moment to where he could have the best impact on the show and build to the end that we were all expecting. Well, not, not really expecting, you know, portals to come out of hyperspace, but you know, some kind of ending to where Thrawn is just going to have his due. Cause you knew he's smart enough to always try and be one step ahead of everybody. And they got him to that point. So, well, I think the problem is they had to have villains that could lose too. He can't, right. yes, because he can't be. And, he can't be. Right. It can't keep defeating him because then it just cheapens his character. Right. Um, and so I think that's why. And by the time he shows back. up at the end, I was like, "Well, I don't know what's going to happen now because right. it's Thrawn. They could actually right. all die." I did like that too. You know, this is. I think we had that with the Inquisitors as well because we didn't know what happened to the Inquisitors, but. Um, you know, with with Vader, like there was, although I, and I love the season two end, uh, but we knew Vader, Vader was going to survive, right? Clearly, right. we didn't know about Ahsoka, but we knew Vader was going to survive. Um, uh, Thrawn uh, was was nice because he's a completely brand new, well, brand new to the this canon, right? Uh, right. Character, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, they were changing enough, but keeping a whole bunch, and so would, would they would they kill him off? Would they keep him around? Uh, and I, I like what they what they ended up doing uh, at the end where they, they got their victory over Thrawn. So you f- felt that triumphant end, but he's still around for them to um, for them to bring back in some other form later. Mm-hmm. But I, you're right. I think that they kind of had to have take a backseat. And especially when they started getting into all the Force episodes because um, Thrawn is the military villain. And there's always been... Those those two threats the, the 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 more of the mystical villain in this case the you know I'd say the emperor in this season and the uh, and then the, the the military one Thrawn and given the focus on the more mystical side he had to yeah. more of a backseat as well so thoughts on uh, the next episode Rebel Assault. Wasn't that a video game or something? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was, Tom. Okay. <laughs> Ten points. Thank you. You can trade them in for, uh, you know, a little whistle or like a, you know, a fidget spinner. I want the eraser. You want the eraser? Okay. I want the eraser. <laughs> did, you want the, did you want the blue lightsaber eraser or the green lightsaber <laughs> okay. eraser? Um, okay, guys. I think I'll pick the green. Okay, so Rebel Assault. <laughs> okay. Back to the show. Um, ah, <laughs> okay. Oh boy, we've lost it, guys. We've lost control no, we of the show. What's going on? No, no we haven't. William, we haven't lost control. Of you the should episode. just be impressed that we've only lost control. Just like Hera, we're gonna crash and burn. Hera no. didn't crash and burn. That's, that's low. I William. mean, she, she escaped, but she did crash. She, she just has very hard landings. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that one was like. A, surprising i i loved the they had the whole attempt that had the big space battle uh getting past the blockade and then just when you think they're 
they're going to make it down to the surface of the planet. Those, those beautiful shots, they're going through the clouds right at night on, mm-hmm. on Lothal and they just start all start getting shot down and, and, and land uh, on, on the, on the planet. And um, I think for, for a while we didn't know, you know, would, could that, I mean, it, it wasn't the end of the season, so it probably couldn't be her. Oh, actually we knew she was going to be in, in rogue one at that point, but still. Um, yeah. But a full squadron. Yeah. I mean, they lost that was the thing that hurt. Yeah, knowing already how limited their resources are and having not yeah. too long ago watched them take, you know, a blow on Chopper base, it was not just obviously the the vehicles, but losing that many people yeah. so quickly. It was, it was, yeah, that was hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking back on the season, on the series, they really, we watched them build up this entire um, Rebel Alliance cell and then lose it all. Before mm-hmm. eventually pulling out a victory at the end, but you know they they did come down to the you know the last few people. It was tight. Um, but that was that was I, again that Rebel Assault was another one of those really fun episodes that I enjoyed, and uh, I was actually surprised to see the return of uh, Mart Matten as well, and he played a surprisingly big role in the yeah, rest he, of the season. He was important. He was yeah. very important. <laughs> that was cool to see Mart Matten. <laughs> Named after, of course, Matt Martin from uh, the Starry Group and formerly StarWars.com and everything. So I, I feel was, like he amazing. has Matt's hair, too. He totally does. He looks a lot <laughs> like uh, Matt in many ways. <laughs> That's the fun of being in production. You can have people caricature you, I guess. Jeez, lucky people. Yeah. Usually, though, they end up being like background characters, and that's why I was surprised to see him play such a prominent role, uh, which is cool. It was fun. Um. Jedi Knight, though, oh, that's when things start getting very heavy. Um, and we get, uh, you know, Hera is captured at the end of Rebel Assault. And that's when we got our, our, our mid-season break, and we had to wait a little while. And we return, and this is... Forever is what you meant there. Yeah, forever. So we had to wait <laughs> exactly. forever. We did have to wait forever. And that's when they, uh, you know, they, they pick things up, and she's being imprisoned, and... And and Kanan has to uh, you know sets up a uh, figures out a plan to go rescue her, and we get his heroic end. Well, I thought what was cool about this is this is when it's kind of like you had Kanan actually turn over everything to Ezra. Ezra, you're going to do this. Kanan couldn't do it. Kanan was going to be the one that's going to actually actually rescue Hera. But the mission he turned over to Ezra. It's like, this is your responsibility. You make sure this follows through mm-hmm. and just do it. So. And that's yeah. when we should have been worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to a certain extent, that's true. <laughs> I mean, but had it our... is time for Ezra. It, it yeah, was. it was. I've been worried since because we I forgot to mention something very important about Kindred, which was when it's when Hera and Kanan first kissed. On, oh, right. In the show. Oh, yes. In so, the show, because <laughs> clearly I concerned, I was like, "Well, they have a happy moment. One of them's, I'm cynical. One of them's going to die." Well, it's pretty typical in TV usually. Happy moment, I and mean, kill him. Can you really be considered cynical if you know that's exactly what happened? That's true. Good point, Stephen. Okay, but but realize if you this. go from being cynical to being a realist. And on top of that, they had their happy moment, but it took them a couple episodes to actually kill him. Normally, when they have the happy moment, the guy's dead by the end of the episode. Well, That's they true. had their 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 
I mean, the big moment here was when, you know, Kanan and Hera finally express their love for each other, and that's when, you know. Well, no, I was the, talking Kindred. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I sorry. In Kindred, there's the kiss. Yeah, yeah. And then in yeah, Jedi Knight, Kindred that's when. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had some breathing room after that. Yeah. And apparently enough time to hook up and. I didn't want to say it. Did oh, not want to say uh, it. Uh, Happy <laughs> did. Pat, I, let I, me tell you how babies are made, Tom. I, I was biting my tongue. I did not want to go there. I go not, there. Aren't you glad? Okay, no, that's no, no, no. <laughs> Thank you. We're not that type of podcast. <laughs> we're not. Let's focus. Not. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but what I liked about it, something I really liked about Jedi Knight is I think uh, Vanessa Marshall killed it with playing. Uh, hair was very loopy, almost mm-hmm. like she oh. was drunk through serum and that was so well done and hilarious especially the part where she's like i hate your hair (laughs) that was that was just that's one of the things in which you just would not expect in the show something like that i thought that actually was pretty funny Mm -hmm. the the whole episode that that one stands out as actually one of the best episodes yeah uh, of this of the season it was just so well done and you know even even the end when you know kanan uh, you know, holds back the explosion to to save the rest of the the ghost crew, and you know turns back and looks into Hera's eyes, and all of a sudden he can see again. He's no longer blind, mm-hmm. and then he's consumed by the fireball. Like, oh, it's just they did we, it was so well acted, so well made. Let's not relive it. Moment. You're gonna have to relive it again in 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 uh, a world between worlds. So you know, <laughs> <sighs> that's true. Well, okay, you know what I, you know what. I, was it doom in which when they, they finally got back to base mm-hmm. and you just saw Sabine just walk out of the, the Imperial cruiser and just like throw her helmet down and, and, you know, I was going to say disgust, but in sadness. And it was like, you felt, you felt the weight right there when she came walking out. Cause you, you first see Zeb like, Hey, this is great. Everybody's coming back. And then to have that just bam, just flat out, just, take a turn that one brief second mm-hmm. you know, at the like when i think about what i'm going to think about with rebels or remember with rebels and you know five years time type of thing i really think the pair of jedi knight and doom is going to be what stands out to me mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we talked about this earlier this this pair of episodes is the type of thing you could not do if you were doing one episode you know one episode a week but right because they did do the this kind of dual piece you just got this really beautiful episode in Doom that normally I would have hated, but just worked so well here. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was so important to have those air back to back and to have Doom to give. I think it's really remarkable that they took the time, which at this point is precious time because the show's almost over, to let mm-hmm. characters grieve and spend a whole episode on it and showing the different ways they all grieved and the different ways they reacted to Kanan's death. For that to be you know, and what is a children's series. I think that was truly a smart and, and just really impactful story decision. Completely now, to back up a bit, is this really a children's series? We've always gone back and forth on this. <laughs> well, no, I don't. But, but it is. It is yeah. It, I think yeah. It's, it's Star Wars, which always starts off. It kind of resets every generation, right? Every Every, every series, every trilogy, they try to reset, get people in, start, you know, a bit younger. And then they get, you know, they grow with the audience. And, and by the end, they definitely had, had grown again back to where the, you know, the Clone Wars was by the end. Well, okay, I'd so even you... add, 
I think this is something that Dave Filoni in particular has been very, very good about doing, not just in like with Clone Wars and Rebels now, but this is something he did even with Avatar back in the day. Uh, and I'm trying to think what else Dave Filoni's done besides Avatar. But he's I feel like he's always been particularly good at this kind of like we'll give you uh, a relatively straightforward story to start. And as you get invested in the characters and continue watching the uh, the characters kind of grow with you. You get to handle more complex situations because you've, mm-hmm. you've matured with the characters too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like to your point, William, this is the type of thing where like Star Wars is now, what, f- uh, four generations, I think? Mm-hmm. Maybe well, three? Just past, depending just past on 40, where you draw. I think, isn't it? Yeah. It passed. Uh, yeah, so that's like somewhere between three and four generations. And that is, yeah. uh, there's very few uh, series, I think, that have done that. And done this kind of, you know, targeting of multiple audiences, really. It, it's something that I think really makes Star Wars special. I definitely agree. And I, I was so glad they were able to, you know, that they, they were, one, able to grow with the show, and, and, and two, took the time, uh, you know, out of that, that, that busy schedule to say, okay, I know we're, we're racing toward the finish line, but let's, let's pause. Let's take a break. Let's mm-hmm. really reflect on everything and do a nice character study on how every everyone would actually react to the news of of Kanan's death and yeah had they not been back to back it would not have worked no um, no this no. these two had to be back to back and this is the perfect example of why like you know Jedi Knight and Doom had to be back to back Wolves in the Door and A Wolf Between Worlds had to be back to back yeah um, and, and of course you know Family Reunion and Farewell and so you know, while the first you know half the season had some that were made sense back to back and let some that didn't as much, the the last half of the season, the back half was perfectly done in mm-hmm. in that way. Yep. Perfectly done. Yeah, it was watching a single episode each week, a single longer episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly what it was, uh, and, and I just I loved that too. It's as short as it was, <laughs> uh, you know, total. Uh, it was nice to have those longer, longer episodes, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and we go from doom uh, into wolves in a door, which wow, uh, start things that just laid the groundwork for a world between worlds where things got even crazier. I loved this I, this two parter though. Do you, do you remember? Before, you know, when we saw the trailers and things like that, uh, we were like, you know what, guys? Dave Filoni is going to give us the answers to all those questions he left open in Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Do you no, remember? Oh, really we were that? so foolish. Yeah. Ah, it's to be so well, naive. At least it's a bigger, <laughs> a bigger answer to um, uh, the brother, brother, father, daughter. I mean, um, what I'm totally blank. Mortis. The Mortis guts, at least you yeah. thought we were going to get more of a Mortis explanation other than oh, we thought we were <laughs> yeah we thought we were other, again other than the really cool animation that was on the side of uh, side of the temple when that was just you know but i don't I love really animation, i don't guys. really that care though gorgeous. they they either way they brought i love that they just tied into mortis in general mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite arcs of the clone wars and uh, while i did it in a, in a completely different way with you know minister hayden or as i like to call him randy palpatine because uh, I like to imagine he's Palpatine's <laughs> Randy brother, Palpatine. Randy Palpatine. Um, Good one. But uh, you know they had Minister Hayden who's there, uh, and they had this like 
this um, uh, this this excavation of the of the Jedi Temple, and uh, like you said, the, this mural, which turns out to be interactive, it leads to a door to the world between worlds, and. While we didn't get leads answers, leads to the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, exactly. And while we didn't get answers, it was um, to to Mortis. I thought they did such a good job tying into it. A- Amy, what, what what were your thoughts on on this this two parter? Well, to Mortis especially, I think they did a kind of a deft job of, and a very Dave Filoni job of making the mythology a little richer, giving it more depth we you know learned a little through sabine talking to Haydn about these gods as they called them but without really getting answers mm-hmm. so i'm okay with that i think i was happy to see mortis come back and kind of just remain in an open door or a, something people can reference in other stories i love the indiana jones like nods i love what kevin kiner did with the music and wolves in a door his music all the by the way especially the last last half of the season was uh just impeccable and so so beautiful totally agree totally totally agree and and then once you kind of i kind of like the different tones in this episode that you kind of had that indiana jones poppy adventure alongside this and it, it is that's still Indiana Jones this mystical spiritual uh, portal mm-hmm. and yeah. I think it opened up a lot of questions and it was very interesting to watch fan reaction that night and the next day and <laughs> also to watch their reactions of of outlets like the one I work at that are just wait Star Wars introduced time travel and I'm like no guys <laughs> yeah that was let's that, all calm down take it take yeah, it yeah that was and that was the big thing about it. Everybody's just like, oh, my God, time travel, time travel. It's like, no, that's God, not the what they people. did. <laughs> yeah. And also there's so much other like so much other cool stuff in that episode, too. In those two yeah. episodes to look at. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, the the... entertaining in that category. But I think, but I wrong. think it was and wrong as it often is um yeah. i think it was fascinating to kind of learn that kanan because he kind of spoke through uh doom or, or one of the wolves and yeah. kind of guided ezra there and, and guided him to saving ahsoka mm-hmm. which was oh that was such a, an amazing moment my jaw was like on the floor as we were watching it um having you know finally getting we we got more details about Ahsoka, and we also didn't at the same time. But it was because yeah, she ended like, up back where like... we saw her at the end of season two. Um, Isn't that what Dave Filoni is good at in some cases, giving you just right. that much of information, but not giving you everything and still leaving you with a question? Yeah, and yet it was so perfect. And yeah, and having Ashley Eckstein return even even briefly was uh, was was amazing because you know I, I think. We've all come to love Ahsoka so much through Clone Wars uh, and, and Rebels. And and the funniest thing about the character, and when Ahsoka first came on the screen, the divisiveness of the character. There are people who just didn't agree with having a character like that within Star Wars. And look at how the character has grown to be such a major character in this universe and yeah, beloved. And- so exactly, so beloved by fans, yeah. I think, and I'm biased. Yeah. She's my, she's my girl. She's my favorite. But I think it's yeah. been pretty interesting to track, like you said, her journey from the Clone Wars movie to now. Yeah, 
mm-hmm. it's a it's a turnaround and i i think it's it's just an interest i don't think any other character in star wars is quite is quite like it for her in many reasons for many right. reasons but for how how her fan reaction to her mm-hmm. i guess has evolved from vehemently against her to belo- one of the most beloved star like, wars she's characters. the best yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. so so not to tangent off on this one but I'm going to throw this out there. Would you like to see her, the Ahsoka character, jump into a live action film or keep her within the animated quote unquote story realm? Oh, I, I would love to see what they would do with an Ahsoka movie. That would be, I think, incredibly fascinating to watch. I, okay, but if let me throw this out off, there. And I'm sure they could, but because like trying to translate an animated character into live action. Mm hmm. But yeah, if they, and, I, I would if they could pull it off, I would love it. But, it's tough. It's it. It'd, it'd be, be tough, hard. But mm-hmm. yeah, because I, I I think for me the only way it could be pulled off, this would be a case in which I think it's like you have Timothy's on write Thrawn. This case, Dave Filoni would have to write Ahsoka. Like the I would, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 can't. I would have a hard time having that character been be given to somebody else to write if Dave Filoni was had a writing partner to write a movie about Ahsoka and he basically knows the character I think it can be pulled off I think the way she is right now that her best legacy at this point is with an animation and the one Ahsoka book that came out yeah I'd love more yeah. more Ahsoka books too that would, that I'd, I'd love to see it I would they love need to, to do an more. Ahsoka comic and they could do an mm-hmm. ongoing now with all the time we have open for her too. It's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, mean, I, I still have the I've still have the opinion that the next series will be her it, and it has to Sabine. be, right? It has to be, right? Searching for Ezra and dealing with Thrawn, maybe dealing with the Yuzhan Vong, because they were supposed to be in Clone Wars at the end. Like oh. out in the unknown regions. I think it could happen. That would be cool. That'd be so cool. In the first order, like forming yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That would be the thing is the first order form. And we know that we know that Snoke had to deal with something out in the unknown regions for a while. Uh, Like you could, yeah, you could, you could imagine her running into Snoke potentially, and the Yuuzhan Vong and Thrawn, and oh man, there's so much potential. Let me call Lucasfilm right now, (laughs) (laughs) as if if I want to make that. Yeah, I was gonna say if you want to make that happen. Uh, you know, I they'd be like, "Oh yes, that. Amy, you want you want that? Of course, we'll get it right on it." <laughs> what a dream that would be! <laughs> yeah, oh, that'd be such a such a cool series, such a cool series. Um, and we we also got the answer to the we even got the answer to the uh, the convors, oh, as well. Yeah. Yes, we did with Morai. That's cool. That really threw me because I I spent a lot of time digging in deep to Ahsoka theories, and and I really thought. She had become the convoy. I think that's yeah. where I ended up. I think a so lot of people, I thought the same thing. Yeah. So it was interesting to like, oh, she's just still the daughter and she's your buddy. That makes sense. I guess it's the simple one. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But... <laughs> like, wow, I overcomplicated it. Yeah. The simple but you did a great job breaking everything right down. One. I loved, loved reading your, all your, all your, 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 your theories and recaps. I was invested. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> But uh, no, it was, it was fun to see the the Morai because you know because the con like, you know she'd been popping up so often and and tying her back to the daughter in, in Mortis I think was a nice uh, you know fun element 
as well. And, you know, well, I guess it wasn't a hundred percent confirmed. It was the daughter. It's, I think it's almost positive because, you know, we, we see, yeah, I think we see more eyes than you hear. Enough. All the voices in the background were so cool in, in the world between worlds. And you hear like, I'm the daughter, you know, as soon as you see more and all the other characters that we hear, we hear pretty much every character in the world between worlds. Um, so you even visually. heard Alec Guinness, which was the coolest thing. Yeah. You got to hear all that stuff, not just animation. Like a, it was live action stuff too. And non force users too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Which was also cool. Like, uh, you know, uh, Jen Chirrut was in there Jen and, and yeah, cheer it maybe. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was in there. Yeah. Well, he, he's debatable. I know he's technically not a force user, but <laughs> well, but Jin certainly isn't. Jin so. certainly is not. Yeah. I think that's okay. Yeah. There was a yeah, whole long, long list of, I, I spent way too much time and a lot of people did like pausing and rewinding, trying to, yeah, trying to did. hear everyone. Oh, in there. Even Poe was in there. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, really hard to hear that one. Yeah, long, long list of characters. Um, Shmi, Vader, Palpatine, obviously, you know, Yoda, Maz, all the other characters that were easier to hear. A whole bunch of people. Qui Gon. It was fun. That was a great episode. And of course, that led into the, uh, the, the penultimate episode of Fool's Hope. Where they try to liberate. Well, they, they, they first they 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 um, they lure Governor Price to their base to try to capture. Her. Oh yeah, wolf fight. Yes, oh, that was mm. so cool. <laughs> Those wolves are terrifying. That, they are. Yeah, I I love no, it was awful. <laughs> well, depending on your point of view, it was either really cool or really horrifying. <laughs> Part of the rebels, it was really cool. If you were a stormtrooper, that's not a bad so cool. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you. A lot, of, a few of them kind of, I think, were thrown over the side with a Wilhelm scream. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was not that was not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And we had writers' fake betrayal as well. Uh, I was kind of confused uh, for a, a few beats. I was like, well, maybe he did. I was. Too. I think they're playing this out, but maybe maybe not. Well, cause he, you see him standing there and, you know, Rook's running past and he's letting him go. And they, they, they let it play out a little bit longer than I was expecting. Cause at first I'm like, Oh, he's clearly faking it. And then I started to doubt myself and then came yeah, back. Like, and, maybe, maybe yeah. he's just done. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, they, but, can, they, they committed to that. I liked it. Yeah. But also when, when Ezra says I have a plan that could have been taken either way. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he actually did turn on them or nah, it was part of the plan for him to do this anyway. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, uh, that was a, it was a fun episode, but it really just set the stage for the finale where, you know, family reunion and farewell, where they decide to go back to the Capitol to infiltrate the base, the command center launched into space. And, uh, we'll actually send the, um, send the same code, uh, that we got in Rogue One to have all the Imperial forces retreat back to the command center, then launch it into space and and uh, and and destroy it, um, blow them up. Yeah, but their plans were did not go the way they had expected. That's for sure. When Thrawn returns, you know, I before we get to Thrawn returning, I have to both the you know prices failed assault. And this kind of plan to blow up the rebel, uh, the rebel ship, the Imperial uh, station. 
uh, Dave Filoni continues to find very inventive ways to kill lots and lots of Imperials Absolutely. without really showing it on screen or breaking any rules. <laughs> yeah. No, good point. I, good I have point. to give him a lot of props for that. Yeah, because that's... I don't know what the the number of troops would be at that command center, but that's not insignificant. A lot, mm. I think, is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when they really like, revealed their plan, I was like, oh, that's well. I mean... It's interesting to think about imperial loss of life sometime, you know, when you think about just the people who are cleaning the bathrooms on the Death Star or whatever it is. And <laughs> or the consider- bar. It, yeah. Or the bar. Remember, in that book, The Death Star, there mm-hmm. was a bar oh, on a the bar. Death Star. Gary, the right. stormtrooper, he just wants to take his daughter to work. You know, all that. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Gary. Yeah. Oh, Gary. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, you know, who knows how many of those those imperial officers and janitors and stormtroopers and everybody else were floor moppers. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah. Cooks. We're into the, uh, or into the whole, uh, all the whole Barbers. agenda, but, um, opticians, but I, I have to say like when they, uh, well, actually first the, um, uh, I think it was in this episode when we got that, that, just like that look of rage on Price's face. Now I forget exactly. I think it was in this one. It might've been in the previous episode. That was such a, like I'd never seen a car- animated character look so mad. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and then when they finally, you know, confront her in the, uh, in, in the command center and she just still refuses to give up. Um, but, uh, I and, think one of the, my favorite and did, and actually the most, what, what Tom? I was going to say, and didn't write writer say, well, it's your loss. Or yeah. wait a minute. No, she goes, What wasn't it? No, I serve I serve the, the Empire. And he goes, Well, not for long. Not for long, exactly. <laughs> or however he said it. But yeah. I, I don't know about I don't know about all of you, but I, I had one of the most strange and one of the most emotional parts of the the end of the series was just when they were figure out how to escape Thrawn because you know he's got his ship over the command center and and Ezra looks at Chopper and looks at Sabine and they have the silent exchange and they provide a distraction for him while he slips through the air vet, the, you know, the ventilation shaft, which became a joke in early seasons of how off air there as there was again in a, yes, you did. know, an event. And, uh, <laughs> yes, it did. Know, they kind of use that one more time. Um, and really effectively, very, mm-hmm. very effectively. Uh, and, and it, yeah, it was, I was, it's, it's kind of emotional watching that actually, uh, surprisingly, yeah. it was very, very well done. Of course with, you know, Kevin Kinder's fantastic music. I, oh, I really man. hope we get a soundtrack for Absolutely. seasons three and four. That guy, that guy's so talented. <laughs> that guy needs a star Wars movie to score. Yes. Like one of the like they've been doing this but since they've been doing the standalones with separate or different composers. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've got Michael Giacchino and John Powell. Now let's get Kevin Kiner in there. Please, that moment was really emotional. I'm just like thinking back and and so much it built up and built up and then so much of my like the payoff and the emotion for me all took place in, in the last few minutes or mm-hmm. it came to a I guess like a an apex in the last few minutes that I'm like, yeah, there were all these beats that led up to that, mm-hmm. that really just 
kind of illustrated how much we know we've seen them work together, the, the, the crew of the ghost for so long, they know each other so well, but to, to see them and especially Ezra figure things out, just kind of not perfectly, but just so in tune with each other that they don't have to talk, that they can communicate with just looks. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really touching. Yeah. What did you think of the, the way they ended the series? Amy? I was surprised by the, the coda. That's not, yeah. I don't think that's something we've seen in star Wars before. And I wasn't expecting it, but I really like that they did it. I really wanted and kind of needed to know because you can you know, we know about Hera. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hondo, I guess. But by the way, tangent, when Hondo said, for that boy, I will do anything, my heart uh. melted into a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. He does I love what a guy. Hondo. What a He's... guy. And also, they do fly. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to say that one more time because that actually was pretty oh, funny. Oh, yeah. That was... I love seeing the return of Hondo and all these other characters. It really was a family reunion. They all came back. Mm came back down we got uh you know rex again and gregor and callus and everyone uh came back down wolf they got some nice wolf pack jokes in there <laughs> with the yeah. the lawfuls and well, i i think it gets back to again like i i said at the beginning of this this was the way if dave filoni had his way to end the clone wars this is probably the way he would have done it is all the main characters that he could get in the final episode to tell that story so people can get a closure to that. And that's exactly what he was able to do with this show. And the coda was the point that gave him that closure because he was able to literally spell out, except for Hondo and Milch, but every character that was important, he said, this is what happened to Callus and Zeb. This is what happened to Hera and Jason. This is what happened to Sabine. This is what happened to Ahsoka. And Everybody had their conclusion. Well, it it takes even extra meaning, I think, because regard. I guess unless we do another show in the middle of uh, between episode three and four, or maybe a show set during the original trilogy, uh, we're not likely to see a lot of these characters again. No, like Hondo's getting up there in age. You know, Rex. I mean, I guess Rex could show up because we know he's in six, but like the rest of the Wolf Pack. Hondo's yeah, going to be in Galaxy's Edge. That's what I was going to say. Thank you, Amy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I stand corrected then. Be in Galaxy's Edge. So at least Wait. we'll see him again. Yes. Yeah, but also, yeah. don't you Hopefully think if that's the point, they're going to put him in the new Thrawn book? Because the Thrawn book does take place at Batu. They oh, released that's an excerpt. right. They released right, an excerpt right, that showed it goes that way. I'm excited. I'm waiting for that Thrawn book. I, I'm done. Do we know It'll when be the here. Thrawn book is set yet? Um, when? I'm assuming you know, it's... I, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, I'm going to say it this way. I, uh, because those who follow Nathan Butler, I he basically has left podcasting, and I do see one of his points he brought up. When it comes to all the stories, when it came to the expanded universe, you had a timeline of where these stories took place. All they're doing with these books it's kind of hard to figure out a timeline. They're just showing these are the six episodes of Star Wars. 
this book fits here, 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 and here between these these movies. This fits here and here and here. They're not giving you an actual timeline. It just follows a book. Yeah, I think the problem is, yeah, which, they, they don't want to box themselves in too much. Which I I understand, but it does get it does get a tad frustrating. And like I said, I see his point. It gets a tad frustrating because you want to know, and I understand you don't want to be shoehorned into that time frame, but. You want to know, is is it placed, I mean, give it a range of, you know, is it so many years after, you know, the, the Battle of Yavin, so many years after, you know, Return of the Jedi, Well, you know, just, just that kind of range instead of it slots here, 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 and here. The, the weird part, I think, is the last Thrawn book basically was covered t- Thrawn's time from when he was discovered by the Empire right. to the beginning of Rebels. And so unless the book either interweaves with Rebels, which is probably, I'm guessing, the biggest possibility or like is covering time that the previous book already covered and just in more depth. I'm uh, looking now and it says two years before the Battle of Yavin after Zero Hour. Um, okay. So I, I bet it will overlap with Rebels. Yeah. Okay. okay. Which well, so know, it could sense, be, though. honestly, when okay, then that would he leaves sense. a couple times, it could be set during you know one of those points, mid, mid-season, yeah. basically. True. No, yeah. very good. Okay. Yeah. But I'm excited. I'm excited. It's only uh, it's only a few months away. But you know, kind of circling back to the show, though, I, I think they did they did such a good job wrapping everything up, and you know that 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 coda was an excellent way to uh, to to end the series on Lothal with you know the, the mm-hmm. freeing the planet because really it's it's you know it's it's a as we've said I think a bunch of times this 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 episode already it's a and and you know throughout the podcast. Um, the show is, is, you know, it's it's set on Lothal. It tells the story of a smaller group in this one system. And um, they kind of had to end it there. But mm-hmm. if you end it there, it's like, okay, well, they had some victory. But, you know, it's it's not quite as, I would say, big or, uh, you know, it doesn't tie into the rest of the Rebel Alliance. They can't have a huge victory because if they have a massive victory and they're technically, you know, depending on how you want to count them, Rebels, right? Then mm-hmm. that would be the the first victory before before Scarif, uh, which they they couldn't have had. And so I thought they did a good job of of having the nice victory and making you feel like they accomplished something, which they did, but also, uh, you know, leaving room for that you know that first victory against the evil Galactic Empire in in Rogue One, uh, and mm-hmm. then using the coda, they were able to jump ahead and kind of cap everything off and tell us what happens mm-hmm. to everyone. And I I'm so see, excited for the Ahsoka. I, I also thought the other thing he did very well was explain the reason why the Empire never went back to Lothal after they got a butt kicking. Mm -hmm. And with that coda saying that because of other things happening within the galaxy, Lothal ended up being something that the Emperor lost interest in and just basically passed over. This is the least of our problems. Yeah, it's the least. Yeah, and, and the planet Lothal, literally when the show ended, they expected to go into battle again to fight for the planet. They they had the whole planet behind the small ragtag group of rebels. But because of everything else going on, this was basically a fly in a bigger nest that I don't need to deal with this fly. I need to deal with this big hornet's nest over here. So, I mean, that's, that was a great way to wrap up the Lothal storyline. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I thought they did a really good job this season. It was a, it was a really... It was a great season overall, uh, and they did a, mm-hmm. such a perfect job, you know, encapsulating the whole the whole series and, and ending it the way they 
they wanted to. I don't know. Any yeah. any other thoughts on the on the on the series before we go into our final thoughts and give a quick rating? I'm glad we saw Ahsoka again, and I'm glad that her role was as minimal as that <laughs> in the finale. I think that as much as I love her, I think it was good to give the rebels mm-hmm. the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was really happy. Really mm-hmm. happy to see her again. Totally. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is the other thing I'm really grateful for grateful for with Dakota is that I've like with the end of Clone Wars, we didn't really know what to look forward to. I have something to look forward to, even though I know Rebels is over mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that it's a good thing. And I don't know when or it, like it's possible we ne- may never get Ezra's in Thrawn story. Uh, I just I don't think that's very likely. And so it's nice having that to knowing that's on the horizon. I just like how it left us with something to look forward to. There has to be something coming next. You know, is it going to be a Sabine Ahsoka uh, series? We don't know. Yet. Mm. Whenever they decide to make an announcement like celebration, hello. But, um, you know, we'll get something at some point. What's going to follow this? Yeah. Agreed. So, Tom, uh, if you had to uh, rate the rate the entire season, what would you give it? I am giving it a flat out nine. I would give it a ten. You know what? No, I'm going to give it a nine. I was going to just throw out there and give it a ten, but I'm giving nine point five. There you go, nine point five. Um, I really think I've said it many times. I'm going to say it one last time. This was the way Dave Filoni probably wanted the Clone Wars to go out with very strong storytelling and just very tight storytelling, especially the, especially the second half of the season, very tight storytelling, very good pacing in the storytelling, very emotional storytelling. And he gave everybody what they wanted at the end closure for this series. And I think they did an outstanding job as a whole, going all the way from season one to now great storytelling this this was a great way to end the the show i i cannot wait to see what's coming next whatever it is um my 9.5 womp rats i'm actually going to give them a break and save them until the first episode of whatever's going to be released and i'll torture them then okay so <laughs> steven uh you know i have to give it a nine as well uh not a perfect season. You know, there are some episodes I felt like could have been better, but overall, uh, I'm, it was everything I could have hoped for, for the final season of rebels. Uh, definitely makes me sad to see it go. Um, and kind of like, like Tom, I'm not going to do anything with my nine womp rats. Uh, they're gonna, I would give you a coda for each single one. And, you know, one goes off and becomes a baker <laughs> then a leather worker, you know, uh, but I, I, wait, that wait, would wait. take a while. A womp rat is like doing leather work. Is that like. It's, it's cannibalism like almost I said, or like William. Kind of, this would be a very leather long is that? coda. We don't have th- this is there's the rebels coda, you know, which is like, hey, we've got like two minutes. Let's do it. And then there's like the Lord of the Rings coda, which is like, hey, we've got another <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> uh, so let's just well, yes, one became a banker. One became a leather worker. The other seven did interesting things as well. Uh, but, so, you know, there's you'll, a part you'll have to accept that, says, that they're OK. OK, but but are you sure that Baker didn't have a butcher and a candlestick maker there with him, too? You know, Tom, maybe. 
the world okay, will never not. know. <laughs> okay, Amy, what what are your, what are your final thoughts? I am also going to give it. It's a nine out of ten, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Point no. five increments. I'll up ten. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go with nine as well because it was very, very, very good, but not. Uh, one more berry. It wasn't one more berry than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked all the forest mythology they dug into. I think that and tying in the nature side of Lothal, like that aspect of the force, that really just made the season that much more appealing to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to set my womp rats free to go hang out with the Loth cats in peaceful harmony. Nice. <laughs> nice. Is that what you're supposed to do with the Womp Rats? Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, <laughs> you want to do. You can torture them. You can set them free. Cool. We we were nice. Stephen and I were nice. We normally torture, but, you know, we're, we're going to wait until, you know, whatever comes. Yeah. So. Well, I'm Setting gonna... them free with the Lothcats is fine. I think I'm going to do... Um... It was tough. I'll, I'll go nine, nine and a half as well. I mean, yeah, the earlier... Some of the, some of the earlier episodes, uh, I wouldn't say quite reach the nine and a half level but the end more than makes up for it um and yeah it was just such a great such a great season i thought they did a fantastic job wrapping it up and i feel like i've already said my thoughts a lot so i'm just gonna end it there but my nine and a half womp rats are gonna take a page out of the palpatine playbook and uh they they start to flicker in and out and as they they flicker in and out they actually look like loth cats but turns out they're they're womp rats um just like at the end of uh, uh family reunion and farewell with Yoda uh, with Ezra and the Emperor becoming going interesting. Back Emperor Palpatine, which was also so good, by it the way, was so good. Which was really, I mean, there, yeah. we can't, we can't, we can't remotely cover every single amazing no. thing in this season. No, this no, is no. Just like, well, you know, we did. It just took us what you know, we two did. hours per episode times well, sixteen yeah. episodes. Yeah, a long time. Um, yeah. So if you want our detailed thoughts, definitely go back. But this is kind of our, you know, our, our, our high level look back at at the season and really enjoyed it. Uh, and, a reflection. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll actually go back and do this for the entire series as well uh, in, a lot, in a bit more, you know, even, even a bit higher level, but also a little more detail about the, the characters mm-hmm. and how they've they've changed. Yeah, I think and, we need to do a character study on this one. Yeah, though. yeah I think because fun. of the, yeah, because the way, the way the characters grew for, and also, it's nice because it's only four seasons. Um, it'll make it much easier to do a character study yeah. uh, on the char- uh, on on the show. Yeah, but uh, but for now, uh, I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank, thank you, you Amy. so much for having me. It was kind of it's you know it's been a little over a month now, so it was good to go back and revisit the process. It was longer than mm, we'd expected. Uh, we didn't want to wait take yeah. a month off, but you know it's been it's been pretty crazy. Um, life yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but um you know thank you so much uh for for taking the time to to come on the podcast and uh you want to let people know where they can uh, they can find you online if they want to read all of your amazing content oh my gosh too kind um people can find me on twitter and instagram at amy underscore geek and i write uh most of my star wars stuff is on nerdist.com these days and i still do um occasional pieces for star wars.com mm. Cool. Well, thanks again, and definitely go if you, if you. I'm sure you all already follow Amy. But if you don't follow her, check out our great stuff on Nerdist. 
And, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we would definitely love to have you back on again. So thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you. Hope I didn't bring it down too much. Oh, with no, you didn't. Canaan and hair details. No, you did no, not no. at okay, all. Well, that's my brand. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to dance around it, but going for it was the perfect thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we will be back soon with our series recap. But uh, and, and until then, enjoy the, uh, enjoy the solo trailer. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, IonCannonCast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter to email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.